0: Thanks for listening to the Dr. Drew Podcast on Podcast One.
1: And welcome to the Dr. Drew Podcast. Thank you very much, Chris, Chris Laxamana. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. I know this may not be up around Thanksgiving, but we have to be recording this around Thanksgiving. Uh, Again, to support everybody that supports the pods, uh, click through on the Amazon banner. Don't forget to support the various – the people that support the podcast to make it possible for us to do this. And we try to select our – the companies that we work with very carefully. So we do appreciate you being a part of that. Do check out Dr. Pod – excuse me, drdrew.com. We have a lengthy uh, series there about the opioid crisis. Uh, it's like a 17 part series, and it starts all the way back into prehistory and brings it forward. And you see that we take you through the two major opioid epidemics in this country. I'm also putting that out as an audiobook, so look for that. And then keep an eye out for the narcissism series that is coming soon. And uh, do check out the Instagram, Dr. Drew Pinsky, Dr. Drew Pinsky. And I'm doing some live Instagrams there where you can ask questions live if you wish. But today I'm privileged to welcome Dr. Robert Flannery. He's the founder and CEO of Dr. Rob Farms. Uh, Dr. Rob, welcome. Explain what you do here. This is an interesting project.
2: Thank you so much. I, I sincerely appreciate you having me on the uh, the, the pod today. It's, you uh, yeah. So, you know, like you said, I'm the founder and CEO of Doc Rob Farms, which is a cannabis company.
1: Mm-hmm. Which um, is, that's the thing right now. That's the yeah, new that's, Bitcoin. That's,
2: that's the new hotness. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Well, I find myself in an interesting position in this industry. I am uh, the first PhD in the United States that I, that I know of uh, working in commercial cannabis production that has the expertise to do so. So you're a botanist? Yes. So my PhD is in plant biology, with an emphasis in environmental horticulture, and a specific expertise in hydroponic crop optimization for cut flower production and controlled environment agriculture from UC Davis. And and other than cannabis, what gets into controlled environment farming? You know, pretty much all of floriculture. Cannabis just really is flora. Floriculture, yeah. So So, flowers. Flower production, yeah. Oh, I always thought that was imported. No, a lot of them are. Um, you You know. I did a majority of my PhD research was on roses and chrysanthemums. Oh. <laughs> and my, my wife really loves that, by the way. Uh,
1: chrysanthemum, Zabah, oh. that's awesome. <laughs>
2: that's hysterical. But, you know, it, honestly, cannabis grows fairly similarly to, 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 to chrysanthemum. However, uh, cannabis likes it a little bit warmer than chrysanthemum does.
1: Now, when you say grows, you're, you're mm-hmm. not necessarily just going for growth, you're going for a certain kind of
2: Bloom. Would well, you be, know
1: what's the technical for word for what you're.
2: Yeah, saying? absolutely. Uh, c- cannabis. We're we're interested in the female flowers. Yeah, the flowers. Right. The so bloom. the uh, the cannabis plant itself is a, a it's called dioecious, and uh, that means that has separate male and female plants. And so we're only interested in the female plants because those are the, the female flowers produce that, that resin, right? The, 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 the terpenes and the cannabinoids. Do, do they need to interact with the male plant in order to produce any of that? You want these, uh, females to be as sex starved as possible. Right. You do not want a pollination event. As soon as you have a pollination event occur, uh, then terpene and uh, camene production halts, and what so that turns into a
1: fruit or something. Uh,
2: you basically, yeah, you know, exactly right. You know, this is a uh, an angiosperm, so angiosperm yeah. just means a flowering plant, yeah. and uh, it does produce uh, a fruit. However, the fruit the gymnosperms are the pine pines. That's exactly yeah. right. You know, ginkgo biloba is also another gymnosperm, although oh, wow. people don't like. Uh, I don't know you know? I mean, I don't know if you have ever seen the little little. Plant trivia, by the way. Yeah. The, the people say this with a fruit, and I, I'm using quotation marks right now with fruit. It's actually not a fruit, it's actually a seed. But the fruit of a Ginkgo biloba, um, Ginkgo is very similar to cannabis in the sense that it is also dioecious, so there are separate male and female plants. Um, however, the female plants produce a seed that uh, has a unfortunate aroma. It has it produces a compound called butyric acid. This is g- ginkgo. Now we're talking. This about. is ginkgo, yeah. yeah. And butyric acid has the smell of vomit. So oh, nice. um, typically, when you see a ginkgo on in the streets, it's the male plants, but. But we see the same thing in cannabis. We're only interested in the female plants unless you're doing breeding. What is the plant trying to do with that vomit smell? <laughs> you know, to flies, is it, is it, uh, you know,
1: uh, lilacs? Well, you know, you it's, know I mean? it's,
2: it's, it's interesting because, you know, this is a uh, bees? Wind, it's a wind pollinated plant. So uh. it's not a trying to attract, uh, uh pollinators. Uh. And, you know, this is the, after the, the it's seed It's just production. trying to protect itself then. You know, I'm not exactly sure. The, you know, as you, as you well know, there's no real direction to evolution and it might just be a byproduct of, you know, there but, may not be a use to it.
1: True, There could be just byproduct, but, but oh. typically it's to reproduce yep. or, or to protect, yep. Yep. Uh, yep. or to somehow otherwise push forward the the genes. Yep, exactly yep. right.
2: And uh, you know that's kind of uh, in the the cannabis world. You know, uh, why does that plant produce these cannabinoids, and yeah. why does it produce these terpenes? Any and there is. The, some of the hypotheses that out there are that, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure I believe in this one or if I uh, subscribe to this uh, hypothesis, mm-hmm. but it might be an anti herbivory. Um, That's what I was thinking. They, yeah. it, so you don't eat it. Yeah, exactly. So, if you're, so
1: you're a cattle out there yeah. and you're, uh, you're a pot plant, the cows won't eat you. Or they'll eat you once yeah. and then they won't eat you again.
2: You know, it's, a lot of people say, like, oh, you know, if you're in a highly competitive situation and you know, you've got predators uh, yeah. you know, uh, coming down on you on all sides, it's and something. if you are somewhat medicated uh, after eating some cannabis.
1: Well, it's interesting. I, there's, there's, there's a bunch of – I've read other theories like that for other plants. And one of the interesting things about uh, psychoactive plant mm-hmm. products on mammals mm-hmm. is 10, 20 percent of the mammals always go back
2: yeah they go for more,
1: yes, so although they they repel eighty <laughs> percent, they have ten or twenty percent that go consume a lot of it
2: well I mean I think you know human uh, uh the human psyche more much more than I do, and I think you know your uh experience in addiction as an addiction specialist and whatnot it's yeah, I mean well, we try- love this stuff I'm
1: trying to figure out what to do i i I'm just watching the data very carefully, and yeah, I just can't figure out when to throw the switch on enthusiastically endorsing. Gotcha. I, I can see that it's looking good. I can see yeah. there's lots of good reports and stuff. Just I don't know we don't have enough time yet to really yeah. know what any what consequences there might be there on tour.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and I'm a, I'm a scientist. You know, I'm yeah, a nerd. Same here. Same I, here. I, I just, don't look the part, but I am a nerd. Um but uh, I want to see science. I want yeah, everything I do. As soon as we get the
1: science then we just go, okay, well that's it.
2: Yeah. It's, I mean I want evidence based uh, decision making.
1: I think I think when the day's done mm-hmm. we're gonna have to figure out the patients, not the, not the, the medicine. Yeah. In other words, we have to figure out how to select the right patient for the right medicine, which is g- genuine, generally, a conundrum in medicine.
2: I, I yeah. agree with that, and that's one of the things that we actually there is a company that I'm aware of that uh, is trying to match, you know, the the genotype of the human to the yeah. genotype of the the cannabis plant. And oh, that
1: I, listen, that might be a breakthrough that then gets used in other pharmaceuticals. I 100 percent agree. Yeah.
2: you know, the well, the one big difference here is. Uh, uh, you know, if you're taking an aspirin, that's generally one active ingredient. Yeah. Uh, but with cannabis, you know, there are 113 known cannabinoids. It looks like the University of British Columbia may have just discovered another 21. Uh, this, uh, this just happened last month.
1: So that means 135?
2: Yeah. Uh, well, what do we
1: do with that? Now, it seems like a lot of the... Um companies that are just distributing cannabis are trying to n- narrow the spectrum. For instance, our CBD, obviously. Yeah. But even within the, the cannabinoids generally, mm-hmm. aren't they trying to sort of at least have one predominant uh, molecule?
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, when you think about it, it's, it's go with what you know. And yeah. uh, everyone knows about THC. And CBD is the uh, second largest concentration cannabinoid found in cannabis, and so, so people are starting to so it's explore CHC that more. THC and CBD, yeah, and you know, but you know,
1: and by the way, in terms of adverse effects, it could be one of the other 130 that are the problem. <laughs> exactly, okay. and, you Or the really addictive potential. Who the hell knows? Or maybe one is more anti-pain, and one is more anti-anxiety. Oh, we, we absolutely. Know you. you
2: know, CBN is. Uh, we've come to find it. You know, it's a smooth muscle relaxer, and it's uh, definitely something that helps you go to sleep. And, uh, you know, uh, we're finding that, uh, you know, THC – in all honesty, the plant actually doesn't produce THC. It produces a compound called THCA. Hmm. And so this is that, – that A stands for acid. And so there's a carboxyl group on the end of that THC. And so you have to decarboxylate that, that uh, uh, THCA for it to be active. Otherwise, it's not going to engage that CB1 do receptor. Do we do that or do it... We do that by heating yeah. it up. Oh, so okay. smoking, vaporizing, or cooking. And then we'll, is we'll it cooked
1: in a, in, a, in a edible? Yes, exactly
2: yeah, right. Yeah. So, you know, if you're going to be creating an edible, you have to be carboxylating over- by heating. Okay, got it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you're removing that carboxyl group on yeah. the end, that COOH. Yeah. Just basic organic chemistry. Exactly right, which I'm yeah. um, now having flashbacks to my undergrad. No, there, no that's so. why I had to close my eyes and think about <laughs> <it>. <laughs> so. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, it's, you know, there there are so many things that we don't know. Um, but the things that we do know about are, you know, THC primarily. This is a, a compound. If memory permits, was first discovered in Israel in the '60s. So we've known about it for a long time, right? And, um, however, you know, there's this entourage effect of what cannabis and the medicine it produces inside, or the compounds, I'll say, that it produces inside that plant, uh, that uh, that really provide the benefit. You know, we tried using a, a, a THC isolate as a as a medicine. Uh, back in the early '90s or so, it was a drug called Marinol.
1: Yeah, we used to prescribe it all the time. Yeah, for for nausea and for appetite.
2: Yeah, and we we've come to realize it's just not as effective as just consuming the the cannabis plant. It
1: wasn't effective, and no one liked it. Yeah, exactly. No one liked it. Yeah, but, but some people responded though. Some people had the desired effect.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. You know, it's a, it's, it is a complex compound. It's a comp, uh, complex uh, plant as well. Uh, fairly benign plant though, and, I and, know.
1: And then we've had, you know, um, molecules that we use to block some of the, things, some of the endocannabinoid
2: system? Well, CBD is actually one of those. It's an antagonist of THC. So it actually, I'm going to talk to you because I know you know what I'm talking about. And this is really nerdy talk. So right. uh, please forgive we'll, we'll, me.
1: I'll, I'll stop you and explicate as we go
2: along. There we there, go. Right. So CBD acts as an allosteric, um, well, basically a negative allosteric, uh, allosteric uh, modifier on the CB1 receptor. Okay.
1: So CB one is in the brain, and mm-hmm. CB one is sort of what we think is sort of what makes us high. It's a neuroregulator. It's a m- neuron regulator. It's a very strange, <laughs> a very strange yep. position in the mm-hmm. in the brain where it where it regulates. Yep. Probably affects different people differently. Mm-hmm. And this is something that that exactly binds to the receptor, the endocannabinoids receptor, mm-hmm. but it's a partial agonist.
2: So uh, it's so so what it does is you know the CBD is an, being an allosteric modifier. it it, it, it doesn't. Attach the binding site where THC binds to on CB1. It no, attaches but elsewhere, nearby. but it changes the conformation right. of that CB1 receptor, making it basically nearly impossible for THC to bind to it. And so, mm. you know, THC by itself actually is a very strong anti inflammatory. Uh, THCA is twice the anti inflammatory of hydrocortisone. Um, but as what? you know, I know, it's crazy, 20 times the anti inflammatory of uh, aspirin. Um, that makes sense. Yes. Uh, and, uh, so it's, it's a, a strong anti-inflammatory by itself. Same system, that cyclooxygenase system? It's uh, it's, no system? it's a different system. Um, I'm gonna, you know, if, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna blank on this. Now, you have to remember, I'm a plant yeah, physiologist yeah, yeah, by, I'm by trying, training. I'm
1: trying to pull out my stuff, but I'm not a plant <laughs>
2: physiologist. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, there's a, a it's my understanding there's a, a, a biosignal pathway that, uh, is outside the endocannabinoid system mm-hmm. that is affected and that, that causes that, uh, uh, anti-inflammatory. Effect.
1: So it's, it's a downstream anti-inflammatory effect.
2: That is my understanding, yes. Okay, got it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But, uh, so
1: we're back to CBD. So. I didn't know the CBD blocked the binding of THC. That's interesting.
2: It does. It's an antagonist to it. And uh, so that means that uh, you can get uh, smaller doses of uh, – uh, of, uh, or I'm sorry, you can get larger doses of THC without the euphoric effect uh, if mm-hmm. you have CBD present with it. So you can get some of the medicinal value of it without feeling that euphoria or that high. So – a lot and of people find that valuable. That's interesting. And the medicinal value we're looking for is, you know, typically it's anti-inflammatory, antioxidant. One thing that we've come to realize, or we have seen, seen some studies at NIH, is in combination THC and CBD uh, do have some anti-cancer properties. Of course, I want to see more sure. research. Yeah, I mean, I mean uh, who to- doesn't? Tommy uh, Tommy Chong
1: says, "Oh yeah." yeah. It cures cancer. I'm like, okay, Tommy. Maybe, <laughs> some, maybe somehow, some way, maybe someday.
2: Well, we have seen some evidence to suggest that it will kill uh, breast cancer cells and glioma. Now that's been around for a long time. Correct that data. Yeah,
1: and yet I've never seen
2: any real in vivo stuff. Exactly right. These were done in petri dishes, yeah. more or less, yeah. and um, you know, and it does require very high doses. Right. Uh, but uh, some people don't mind that at all. Right. Yeah. Right. But yeah.
1: All right. So let's keep going. Yeah. On the plant side, so. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it? I mean, I, I don't really understand the products that are out there so much. Yet. Yeah, um, the sativa and the purple Kush and all this <laughs> stuff—it's all mysterious to me. Yeah. What What are we talking about there biologically? What What are the different molecules that are more prominent in these things?
2: Absolutely. I, I mean, you know, we talk. You, you just mentioned sativa, mm-hmm. and and so this is definitely a big uh, area of of interest in the industry. Uh people talk about the sativa versus indica versus hybrid and these are the the And the, why is it of interest? The reason why is because if you consume a, a sativa strain, and I mm-hmm. say strain with uh quotation marks again because technically bacteria we call it strains of bacteria. For plants it's a cultivated variety or cultivar. So the you know a cultivar that is in the category of sativa uh when but you consume it, it, that I
1: mean it's not really a, a subcategory. It's just sort of a branch of
2: yeah, so it's yeah. not a, it's not a, a, a species it's per not a species se. At it's at kind all. of a, yeah. uh, almost a, a variety. Yeah. So a varietal. Yeah. Um, you know, we see this, you know, in the, for example, my, roses. yeah, my, my PhD research in roses was yeah. on Rosa hybrida, uh, and then it's called Cardinal. Cardinal is the, uh, cultivated variety. Okay. That's just that deep red rose that everyone likes to get on Valentine's Day. Now, for cannabis, it would be something like, uh, you know, Cannabis sativa, and there's a lot of people who feel that Cannabis sativa is actually the only species in cannabis outside of ruderalis, which is another non-resinous, uh, type of, uh, species found native to Russia of all places. But, uh, cannabis sativa, and then you have the, uh, varieties of that, that tend to fall in this more sativa versus indica field. So the sativa, uh, cultivars, Give you that uplifting uh, feel. You know, you're, you're you're energetic. You're creative. You you know you, you want to write music. Things like do, that. Do
1: we know what's going on with the mo- which molecule and what it's doing?
2: We do to some extent, and it's actually more related to terpenes than it is cannabinoids. Right. And so, if you look at uh, the types of terpenes that are found in the sativa cultivars, uh, alpha pinene, limonene, and I'm, I'm guessing you guys can all guess what alpha pinene smells like. Oh, pine. Wow. And, but I have uh, no
1: idea. I've no; those are not molecules I can even envision. So I'm not. Where do they bind? What do they do? Do we know?
2: Uh, well, one thing that they do is they're bronchodilators. All right. and so like if you go into a pine forest and take a deep breath you just feel kind of invigorated sure. it's like eucalyptus oil exactly yeah. you know these are bronchodilators and so a lot of people feel as though that the that sativa effect has more to do with the bronchodilation than anything else Oh, okay. so then the indica is the you know those are the types of uh, uh, cannabis plants that you know give you what a lot of people call couch lock where you're, you feel like you're locked to your couch you don't want to do anything yes. but it's very good for cancer patients helps uh, uh, people go to sleep when uh, you know they're going through chemo and things along those lines which I I mean is immensely beneficial And uh, Which one know, is a good one for pain? Uh, also indica mm-hmm. typically um, And because uh, Part of the reason why that is Is you have uh, terpenes such as beta-caryophyllene And linalool, Which is uh, found in lavender That's what gives lavender its aroma um, These are smooth muscle relaxers And so they are relaxants um, And
1: that's not at least not prominent in the
2: sativa that is not as pro- yeah. prominent in sativa. Okay. Now, the number one uh, terpene we find in cannabis is a terpene called myrcene. It's also a terpene that's we find in mango, um, especially really ri- uh, ripe mango. Um, one thing that we've interestingly found is that mercine actually increases the uh, the the transmission rate of CB uh, the the, the cannabinoids across the blood brain barrier, hmm. and so you can actually take a smaller dose of uh, THC or CBD or whatever you are medicating yourself with if you consume uh, mercine about sixty to ninety minutes before you medicate. Is
1: mercine or other terpenes in banana?
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. A lot of the okay. aromas that we get from uh, from say, plants are are terpenes, there or esters that. and things like that. A so friend of
1: mine is very. Well, he's been on the show, uh, Dr. Dan Siegel. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not speaking on a turn saying the story. Uh, last Dan Siegel's uh, episode, Gary, if you can come up with that. It
0: was, is it possible that he hasn't been back since 2014?
1: Nope. Nope. Uh, 2016,
0: <laughs> that sounds right. Yeah, 252. Mm-hmm. I think there was
1: one since. Then. 350. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you. they're coming up kind of in reverse order. My mistake. Um, 104,
0: 252. 350.
1: I've heard so recently some people came up to me out of the blue to talk about how much they enjoyed that last one with him. Yeah, he was great. <laughs> um, he told me a story once where he, mm-hmm. he took an overripe banana, he just took a mm-hmm. bite of it, and he walked away and he became acutely suicidal. Really? Yeah. And suicidal thinking yeah. can be independent of mood, everything. Yeah. It's, it's a separate biology in some people. Like an
2: impending feeling of doom or?
1: An overwhelming desire to hurt himself. Really? Yeah. Not, not panic, not depression. Active suicidal ideation. And he was, you know, a psychiatrist. He went, geez, that's
2: strange thinking. I'm throwing all the bananas out of our house right
1: now. (laughs) Well, then he he said he'd sort of passed after an hour or so. Yeah. And he went back. To seek out that banana, try it again, same thing happened. That's so weird. And so I'm wondering if there's terpenes that – you You know. Have you know, there, been, the, I know that's going to be an interesting area of research. Oh, absolutely. Yeah.
2: Oh, I mean there are so many of them too. I mean I, I do know that with banana, I believe that the compound isopentyl acetate is what gives the banana that banana aroma. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the only reason why I remember that is because in high school we did that in AP chemistry class and it was a lot of fun but uh I, my uh my knowledge of banana physiology is, is well, pretty limited
1: well you've just you have just enlightened <laughs> me that at least there's a candidate sort of molecule series there in the terpenes <laughs> potentially um, yeah describe what terpenes are and do what what how they structure what they look like
2: so terpenes are uh you know these are basically uh hydrocarbons um they to have a, uh, you know, for example, uh, the majority of the terpenes that we associate with the aroma and flavor of mm-hmm. cannabis are monoterpenes. So they have one, I a mean, uh,
1: large molecule. The they're fairly
2: large. Or... I mean, you know, so one of the, the things I always like to say, because part of what our company does is we do, uh, uh, you know, optimization for cultivation. We'll actually go in there and manage a grow. And one of the things I always talk about is like, listen, you got to think about this plant as a little factory. And, uh, you know, I I know a lot of people in the cannabis industry like to think of the plants as their daughters and things like that, which is perfectly fine. You know, some of those things are like if you sing to your plant, chances are you're also giving the right fertilizer and things like that. It's more correlation than causation. But we have to we have to think of these plants as little factories. And uh, THC is a 21 carbon molecule. So it's a diterpene. So it's also a terpenoid.
1: Oh, Um, I didn't realize that.
2: Yeah. And uh, it is it is expensive for that plant to make. Uh, So, you know, you have to do things to you know boost up that raw material that co2 that comes in things along those lines uh, but yeah this is a these are big uh, molecules
1: explain to people what he means by expensive it means biologically expensive it's, it, it takes a lot of energy and a lot of uh, put biochemistry in in the plant a ex- lot of different it, mechanisms to put the thing together 100% yeah, yeah. so
2: you know in a plant physiology standpoint from a plant physiology standpoint we always talk about uh, a carbon budget and so you know where carbon goes to in the plant. And uh, uh, you know, I want to try to promote as much of that carbon going to that flower, producing the terpenes, producing that uh, THC.
1: Have there been breakthroughs, sort of sentinel breakthroughs in how you make that happen?
2: Yeah. So have you ever heard of Le Chatelier's Principle? This is, this, yes. is, this is going to be going back to your old chemistry days, No, probably I remember high it. I
1: just don't remember what it was.
2: So Le Chatelier's principle – now, it's now a f- it, it's this a, is a,
1: It's an energy flow theory, it's, a, right? it's
2: It's for chemistry. Yeah. And it's, so it's basically the more raw ingredient I put in, the more yeah. product I'm going to get on yeah, the other end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so now, granted, there's a lot of uh, in-betweens. This is not just a simple chemical equation, but uh, you know, what the, the, e- the chemical equation for photosynthesis essentially is CO2 plus water – uh, I'm, excuse me. Uh, yeah, no, CO2 plus water plus, gives you sugar, glucose. Plus light. And oxygen. Plus yeah, the light. Exactly. And plus whatever, that light in the middle. Whatever that's doing. Uh, exactly. So if I can increase the CO2 on the front end, I should have more sugar on the back end. And so that sugar is is what the plant uses for uh, you know, that carbon budget. So do you pump in high levels of CO2? You increase the CO2 concentration on the front end. And we actually work with a company that does has a really interesting uh, – uh, technology where they actually do CO2 injection uh, for like a field crop. And we saw this study done at Fresno State and UC Davis, my alma mater, um, that uh, they did this study with uh, field-grown tomatoes, and they saw an increase of yield of 127%. By doing what? By injecting CO two, well, this say, is this a outdoors. The gas. gas, yeah, the gas.
1: Inject it in the ground, and uh, really- no, just
2: around the plant. CO two is heavier than air, so it usually it will float around the, the the plants. However, in a field, you know, you've got gusts that come by, and so they have got some interesting technology to to be able to micro inject CO two, and even just that, we saw um, you know a, a big boost in uh, in, in the production. And one of the things I always like to say is, so the most abundant protein on the planet is called Rubisco. So that's ribulose 1,5-bisphosphate carboxylase slash oxygenase. So this is an enzyme, and this is the enzyme that's primarily uh, responsible for fixing the CO2 out of the atmosphere. But if you noticed – We should be using that for uh –
1: on, for, on carbon yeah. footprints,
2: uh, but I, I thought the climate change wasn't a real thing though. That's that's right. what climate change may or may not be,
1: but there's lots of CO two hanging around. <laughs> <over here laughs> that's
2: right. No, I and just for the uh, record, I I fully uh, believe what the scientists tell us that ninety eight percent of uh, climate scientists tell us so. Well, here's but, um, the main thing with yeah. climate:
1: is like I don't care if we perfect our. Ability, how we produce CO2. None of the other countries are going to do it. We got to figure out how to get it out of the atmosphere. One hundred percent. So, so this,
2: sequestration is a fantastic yeah. way. You know, this is and this, this so is a, this
1: is a pro, this is a molecule. I would be like, yep. well, let's think what we can do with yeah, this. And,
2: and this is an enzyme that's found in you know algae as well. So uh-huh. this is uh, in, you know the majority of photosynthesis on the planet is actually happening in the oceans by by microalgae. Hmm and so this is this is where you know we should be really focusing on you know seventy percent of the planet is ocean, yeah you know it's, there's there 's a lot of microalgae that 's you know absorbing that that free energy from the sun and and pulling c o two out of the atmosphere and out of the out of the water,
1: so what about this enzyme?
2: so this enzyme, if you notice i, I called it carboxylase slash oxygenase, so it has a dual function it can carboxylate uh, that, that 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 sugar that ribulose one five bisphosphate or. It could oxygenate it. If you oxygenate Wait, hold on it. a second. So, hold on. Yes. The
1: 1,5-bisphosphate. Yep. That's the most common molecule? No. The rubisco. Enzyme the enzyme is. The enzyme. Okay. Yeah. So uh,
2: that uh, ribulose, uh, you know, 1,5-bisphosphate is, is, uh, is a sugar. Mm-hmm. And so what, that is the, the substrate that rubisco comes in and attaches the CO2 to. However, it can also attach an oxygen to it. Okay. Well, if it attaches an oxygen to it, that's a bad thing. Um, it becomes a waste product at that point. The plant has to then clean it up. Um, is now it, what happens? That
1: oxygen then become like a free radical or something? It or doesn't
2: become it? a free radical, no. but that, that, that oxygenated uh, sugar becomes something that the plant really can't use for, okay. you know, uh, in the future. So it, it has to break it down. It's just useless. Exactly. Yeah. It has to break it down, which costs energy, yeah. all this other stuff. Well, w- how do we control that enzyme to the point where we want to primarily do the carboxylase function as opposed to the oxygenase function? Well, as temperatures increase, that, that enzyme is going to be preferentially be doing the oxygenase function. Oh, well, that's good. No, that's, that's, well, there that's, you go. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, you can cool it down. But then again, this is a, an organism that uh, can't control its own metabolism unless, you know, you, we control it by the temperature more or less. In so the in heat,
1: CO2, <laughs> yep. and then call it kind of light?
2: Uh, light does not uh, affect this. Uh, this is uh, light independent. Um, this is the light independent f- uh, part of photosynthesis.
1: But I'm wondering if, if you, adding a certain kind of light helps you in this production process.
2: You know, I'm, I'm not too sure about this specifically, but definitely there is something to be said about the quality of light that plants get. And, you know, uh, historically, cannabis has grown, you know, indoors and we're using artificial light. Um, Although there is a place for that in the marketplace, there's something to be said about that natural light. There's, oh, really? There's more than just, you know. The, the P680, P700, those are the photoreceptors that, that drive photosynthesis. There are other receptors out there that drive many other things. And, um, I'm actually currently in the process of writing a white paper to describe some of these things. And, uh, and part of the reason why the way we cultivate and what we do is we try to utilize as much of that sun as possible to, uh, to really drive a lot of, uh, these other photoreceptors that have benefit, benefits to the plant.
1: I, I had a professor in in college, and mm-hmm. I, this was not my thing. But I watched him a lecture. Ugh, I, I, was, <laughs> I was twenty or something. Yeah. And uh, his thing was how the chloroplast use light, mm-hmm. and it, he was breaking it down and breaking it. Down. It gets to be it's almost like it becomes a quantum physics yeah. type thing that where you really, you can never find exactly where it's turning light into exactly the energy. Yeah. Um, and, and I just wondered if that was part of what you know the conundrum you guys are trying to deal with.
2: Well, you know, this is a uh this is an organism that likes a lot of light. Mm. It's very similar to tomato in the sense if I give tomato 1% more light, you typically get 1% more yield, cannabis is the same way. Uh typically though the limiting factor is CO2 on the front end. So if I can inc- increase CO2 around that plant, um the plant's going to, you know, it's this is ohm's law, you know, we're talking about the flow of CO2 into the leaf. Um you've got resistance. And you've got uh, the, basically the, the the voltage in Ohm's law for, for CO2 is the concentration of CO2 inside the leaf versus concentration of CO2 on the outside. So if we increase that differential, that flow rate is going to increase. And so what's nice about that too – is if I increase that flow rate, the plant can close the pores. The, 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 the pores on the, the plant are called stomata.
1: Right. There's, all leaves have little pores
2: for that. 100%. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, because the plant has to, to, it cools itself off by evaporative cooling, basically, by you know, the water evaporating, but also it needs to get that CO2 inside the plant to do that photosynthesis. And so if you've got a higher flow rate of CO2 into the leaf, you can keep your plant, or your, your pores closed more often and you lose less water. So your water use efficiency actually goes up. Hmm. Um, one thing that's interesting too, so you know, w- as we all know, that the cannabis industry uses a lot of energy. Um, well, you know, part of that is cooling those the, the greenhouses or cooling the uh, the indoor uh, uh, facilities. Now, granted, there's something to be said about outdoor, which I'm a big fan of. Well,
1: let me let me ask two questions about that. Mm-hmm. Why why are people not doing more outdoor? And two, I thought you said you wanted to be warm in there.
2: Exactly. And so well, you want it to be warm because you want to drive the respiration right. rate, but that's also driving uh, the possibility of that carboxylase function on oh. rubisco. Uh-huh. Um, so you can counteract that with higher CO2 concentrations. But you know uh, I'm a big fan of outdoor production because the the cost to the environment. Why aren't they doing that more? Because uh, this is a plant that you're going to get one to maybe three harvests a, a summer if you are going to uh, be growing that in an outdoor setting. Uh, if, I've going, if I'm doing a controlled environment agriculture, I'm in a greenhouse. I can get five, maybe six grows a year. The margins and the, the 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 wholesale value of that product is is valuable enough to do that. Um, and also, I'm a big fan of you know we we're standing on the shoulders of giants. We, you know we let's let's not try to reinvent the wheel here.
1: Uh, in between botanists, you mean?
2: Yeah. For yeah. if you know if you look at uh, where's cl- cut flower flower culture happening in the world, it's happening in greenhouses primarily. And why is that? I mean, because the goal of horticulture, generally speaking, is uniformity. And it makes sense too here. So if I'm producing, you know, this this, this cannabis product that uh, has an inherent variability in the genetics of that plant, I want to control as many variables as possible. Controlled environment agriculture provides that for you.
1: What about controlling on the other end in terms of what you do with the molecules, like you know?
2: It's, you can do that. Pulling them out for, or changing them, or... you know, you can you can do uh, uh, extractions. Are people, people doing that. People are doing that. Um, you can you know you definitely can extract the oils from the plant and then you can isolate certain cannabinoids or terpenes or whatever is you that, want. Is
1: that you're, I'm holding a, DH, uh, a, a CBD THC product? Here. Is that what happened to give you, me the CBD?
2: Correct. So that is a distillate product. And so this is you know if you're to do the comparison to alcohol, you know it's the same thing as alcohol. So if I create a beer, I you know or a wine, I can distill that down to a brand or, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, beyond that. Uh, And so... You know, you do You get that crude oil that you extract out of the plant, and then you can distill that down. You're, res- you're removing a lot of the uh, other proteins and other compounds that come along with that extraction. That are just are people experimenting with those to know what they're all about? Oh my god, there's so many of them. I mean, I, don't, don't be wrong, I, I love, I want to see that research, yeah. but you know, where do you start really? It's well, it's
1: just it, this is such a hot area, I would imagine, mm-hmm. and there seems to be such a, a business um, model attached mm-hmm. to it that I would imagine there'd be money going into it.
2: There absolutely is. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I. I'm lucky to sit on the uh, uh board of advisors for a couple of investment groups and you know we see things like this coming through every once in a while um and it's uh, uh unfortunately uh it's going to take some research and some time yeah, yeah, for so sure. it's uh you know I I'm I'm very much like a, a Veruca salt I think I want it now <laughs> uh however uh we all know that science does take time yeah yeah, yeah.
1: but it just again and the science you know flows towards and business determines where science directs its, directs a lot of its interest.
2: Absolutely, yeah. and uh, you know, there's there are some hurdles in yeah. this. Uh, you know, we're we're dealing with a plant that is uh, federally banned. Um, you know, so it's uh, considered a Schedule One drug. Is the reese. That drives yeah. me
1: insane. Uh, yeah, I know. Is the, it, just the idea of a Schedule 1 drug drives me insane, frankly. The whole concept.
2: <laughs> well, this is going to frustrate you even more. Do you know the yeah. federal government owns a patent on using cannabis to treat multiple sclerosis? Perfect. Yeah, so they, have, uh, they own a they patent. They also
1: were doing research on hallucinogens for yeah. end of life and uh, various other psychiatric illnesses. Yeah. And uh, they just decided one day that was evil. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's just
2: uh, – you know, and that's actually why I don't use the term marijuana because I that was that was created for – Primarily racist reasons to yeah, to that's a demonize. Great point
1: I, that I mean, history is crazy. Oh, it's and it, people
2: it's been c- buried. Oh God, I, you know if, if t-
1: tell, tell an abbreviated version of it.
2: Okay, so um, one of uh, <laughs> my least favorite people who ever exists in American history Richard is uh, Nixon. <laughs> 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 up there. Okay. Um, uh, a gentleman by uh, uh, Harry Anslinger. Um, he basically in the around Prohibition times. Uh, 20s and 30s uh, started to really demonize cannabis. He was
1: involved in the opioid
2: thing, too. That yeah, is my well, understanding as yeah, well, he yes. Involved.
1: He was involved in the Harrison Narcotic Deck, I think. He, yes. Yeah.
2: It's, it's just. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy, too, because, uh, I mean, and I know that you know the term LD50. Uh, so, for listeners out there, LD fifty is lethal dose where fifty percent of a pop- sample population dies from you know the dose. The, the dose, dose takes
1: to kill fifty percent of the people.
2: Exactly, and so uh, you know we know what the LD fifty is for water. You can die from kidney failure if you drink too much water. We know what the LD fifty is for you know very poisonous things like arsenic and and cyanide. We know what the LD fifty is for sugar for salt. We don't know what the LD fifty is for cannabis. Yeah, and uh, so the the CB1, CB2 receptors, which are the only known receptors in the endocamino system that we know of at this point, um, are not found in part of the brainstem that control your heart rate, nor, nor no, the part no of your breather rate. No. And some it's people immediate. have suggested that it's, um, the, the LD50 of cannabis could be 150,000 grams. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a big dude. 150,000 grams is still bigger than me. Yeah, so I would yeah, have yeah. to smoke have, m- more than my weight. You have to uh, eat a gummy
1: bear your size. Exactly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> which don't dare me to do that. I might, I might try, uh-huh. but, um, yeah, so it's a, it's a benign plant, but then we have. Uh, but it might. This,
1: but to be fair, it might interact with other stuff, and who knows? And oh we yeah. just don't know. And so again, because no research has been done, we don't. We can't even know. We can't know uh, exactly. That's what, that's what drives me crazy. Science when you when, is, you, is, when, you, is, when you label a
2: molecule mm-hmm. evil.
1: Yeah. What? Yeah. Think about that. They took a series of molecules uh-huh. and they said these molecules are evil and can't be touched by humans. <laughs>
2: when, when I first started my PhD work, this is this is literally like. Probably month three of my PhD program, uh, one of the gents who was, uh, uh, you know, funding a lot of the research I was doing, he pulls me aside and says, you "No, know, he's he's a big fan of the plant cannabis." He says, "Robbie, um, cannabis is illegal. However, lettuce is not." Uh, can we do some like you know GMO type stuff where we get the genes from that that make THC and put it into into, into oh, the cabbage funny. or lettuce or that's something like funny. that? And I was like, that is way beyond a PhD dissertation. <laughs> I, there's, there's no way I could ever do that. But uh, um, you know, and also there's more than just THC in there, and it, it's just that's you know it, it's crazy but, to say that, that a plant ki- is illegal. But
1: that kind of thing,
2: yeah, may be the future.
1: I, like we taking we, the genes for one of the molecule mm-hmm. production and put another plant.
2: We actually just saw something come through in uh, uh, one of the investment groups I advise. Uh, it was a, a group that is doing um, uh, using yeast to produce the cannabinoids. There you go. And Perfect. hey, it's that's real cheap and inexpensive. Uh, you know, I don't have to build out a huge greenhouse to do it. But then again, remember we, we're talking about potentially 134 cannabinoids that you want to. Try to address, you know. So yeah, you can do isolates, yeast. You could do each one, just see what happens. Yeah, exactly. Start, start I mean, producing them all, producing for research. You know, and there's there is benefit to consuming CBD as an isolate as well. You know, there there's definitely uh, uh, it def- definitely looks as though that you have better effect if it comes in combination with THC. But Tell me uh, about c- that. The CBD by itself uh, is a very strong anti-inflammatory. Um, it also has anti-anxiety properties, right. and uh, you know, once again, I'm but that's by c- itself. Yeah, just by itself. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, once again, I'm a plant physiologist, so, uh, you know, human physiology is a little bit beyond my specific mm-hmm. expertise. You've been pretty good so far. Eh, well, I'm, I'm trying to read up on it. Uh-huh. You know, they're, they're very similar systems, yeah. but, uh, you know, no cell walls in uh, humans, I've come to find out. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, the, it does affect <laughs> well, something cell else. Walls, just different. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a plasma membrane, membrane, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, uh, the, uh, uh, you know, CBD by itself, uh, does bind to, uh, receptors outside of the endocannabinoid system that provide that anti-anxiety, uh, it, property. Uh, meaning where? Uh, if, if memory permits, now, now, forgive me, and I, I don't want to. Okay. I, I, w- I know I'll be corrected, well, but. What I'm the, wondering
1: is, is in like the autonomic nervous system, or? Yes, so yes. it's found,
2: okay. it's found throughout the, uh, the nervous system mostly, and also okay. through the, um, The immune system, the CB1 receptors are found through through the lymphatic system as well.
1: And CBD is binding at CB1? CB2. CB2.
2: Uh, Typically is what people say, but also there's, uh, there are receptors out there, um, that, uh, uh, like, I, I believe if memory permits, it's GABA. Uh, mm. a, a receptor that, and that's yeah, what. Yeah, it
1: was also a neuroregulatory thing. So exactly.
2: Sense, so. so there's a receptor out there. And, and please forgive me. I just read this up uh, the other day. And, and, you know, how about we ask some more uh, plant physiology okay, questions? No, I'm just kidding. That. All right. But no, so, honestly, that's what, that's what it, that it does outside l- the end
1: of Let me ask some tougher sort of questions that, yeah. that uh, are in the vapors right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, hey, if you're looking for a car, you're probably familiar with terms like MSRP, but you probably don't like me, you don't even know what it stands for. How about invoice, list price, dealer price? It's meant to be confusing. What you really want is the price, the price you're going to pay, which actually means something. And now introducing True Price from True Car, you will know exactly what you'll pay for the car you want, including fees and accessories. Before you ever get to the dealership, True Car dealers know know this, and they show you the True Car price on the car you want, all from the comfort of your home. How do you know True car, the True Price is a great price? Because True Car shows you what other people paid for the same car you want. You see that scatter gam And you lock in the price for an actual vehicle on a True Car certified dealer's lot. And the True the True Car certified dealers know all this. So they set their True Price competitively so they can win your business. So when you're ready to buy new or used, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. Well, if you're one of these people that has muscle and leg cramps, you know what I'm talking about. You come to the doctor. You demand something because you're so desperate for relief. Now you can do it yourself with TheraWorks Relief. It's available in the pain relief file at Walmart, CVS, Rite Aid, and Walgreens. Talk to your pharmacist. They're as enthusiastic as I am because finally we don't have to use sedating medication or dangerous medication, which we used to have to use. TheraWorks Relief is a non-greasy foam, clinically proven to relieve muscle cramps fast, reduce muscle soreness. Use it a couple times a day. You'll prevent muscle cramps with TheraWorks Relief before they ever start. You get a full night's sleep. You'll be able to carry out your normal activities. You'll be able to exercise. works Relief takes only minutes to apply, absorbs quickly, and it works. I've been talking about it everywhere. I've been giving it to patients and family and friends. The reports have been fantastic. Thereworks Relief is my choice for preventing and relieving muscle cramps. Make it yours too. That is Therworksrelief.com, where you can learn more. Again, that's Therworksrelief.com for your muscle cramps. Well, if you or someone you know is dealing with addiction and you also know that finding a treatment center that works for you is extremely frustrating – Truth is, every patient's needs are different and evolving. Well, the folks behind True Recovery in Orange County, California, realize that effective care can't be one-size-fits-all, and so they've developed a comprehensive range of treatments that address all facets of drug and alcohol addiction. I've spoken to their team I'm very impressed with them. True Recovery's master-level clinicians maintain small caseloads, and that allows them to personalize their care and really pay attention where they should. They offer individualized treatment plans from residential to outpatient, and it's a holistic approach. It's focusing, of course, on accountability and returning to the workforce and living your life, living your life free and sober and healthy. As patients become ready, True Recovery offers assistance with other life skills, coping skills, as I said, school vocation, rehabilitation, as well as community reintegration support. I have spoken with them. I was impressed. Their experienced team is well-equipped to manage patients at all levels of care. To request more information on how True Recovery can provide you the personalized care you need, go to drdrew.com slash true. Again, go to my website, com slash T-R-U-E, True Recovery. Well, uh, we all try to stay ahead of things when it comes to our health, but uh, information is the one thing that we cannot get enough of, and that is why I'm excited that Color.com, Color, a genetic test that's provided powerful insights into my own health. Turns out I have something called Lynch syndrome. My sons have it. We have to get more aggressive screening done. And guess what? Because the insurance companies don't want us to get these illnesses that we're prone to, they pay for the screening. Color can help you gain insights on certain cancers and heart conditions that may run in your family and whether or not you should start cancer screenings earlier or maybe get more screening uh, at, at whatever age you're at. They, and I'll tell you what, what they do is they have you get one-on-one time with a color geneticist and they give you a huge readout, tons of information. It's really – it's very effective what they do and the geneticist will answer all your questions until you're satisfied. The kid has sent you in the mail. You can do it uh, – it's a spit test. You do it at home and then you ship it back. Easy peasy. Uh, they even go above and beyond just flagging concerns. They want to be sure you really understand your biology. They help you make a plan to approach your health proactively, and they help you with by notifying your physician as well. Get a guiding hand for your health journey. Color is offering $25 off for our listeners when you visit color.com slash drew. I cannot recommend this strong enough. Certainly everybody of middle age should be getting this. This would have been thousands of dollars years ago. Now now it's nothing, and they are a high, high-quality organization. I, I really am excited to be representing them. Color.com slash Drew. Again, Color.com slash Drew. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Malcolm Gladwell just came out. And you see that quote? Mm-mm. He 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 said, I'm, I'm – Fearful, essentially, I'm going to paraphrase it. Yeah, paraphrase it badly. Uh, that we have another tobacco industry booming here, and uh, the idea of us exposing the entire country to a molecule we don't fully understand yet scares him. He didn't say it's yeah. a bad thing. He just said this is like frightening, and, and didn't we learn our lesson with tobacco? Yeah, and, and you know, you so
2: that? so one of the things that I, you know, how I feel about cannabis is that this is, a, this is a, a a plant that has been consumed for millennia. Now, now, granted, that's not a FDA you know, trial. That's not a study coming out of NIH. However, anecdotal evidence does drive a lot of what science is. And so we see, an anecdotal, we see anecdotal evidence to suggest something. You form a hypothesis and you test that.
1: So on a, on a limited basis based on anthropological research, mm-hmm. you say limited exposure to cannabis, anthropology suggests not that big a deal.
2: What we have seen – and I'm not saying that cannabis is all uh, sunshine and rainbows. Um, you know, for the most part – I think he was actually calling into question the dose, the concentration. He yes. Was saying with
1: it being so potent these days, we really don't fully get that.
2: Yes. And so there is something called THC lock where basically yeah. you get to a point where no matter how much THC you consume, it's, not, it's no longer engaging the endocannabinoid system. And so you basically have to abstain from – from cannabis consumption and you know, it's a handful of weeks and then you pretty much go back to, to, to being normal when it comes to your tolerance for cannabis. Um, you know, but one of the things I, I, I totally get that. You know, when we were growing cannabis in the sixties and seventies, we're seeing THC potencies of two, three, four percent. Um, you know, the highest I've ever grown is just under 30 percent. Um, and that's mostly driven by the breeding of, of cannabis. That's mm-hmm. almost primarily driven by the genetics. And of course, there are some tweaks here and there, uh, that you can kind of, uh, the CO2 with, and the light. And the exactly. Way. If you understand the physiology mm-hmm. of that plant, you yeah. can kind of manipulate it to, to push that a little bit harder. Um, I personally am very a big fan of pushing terpene production. Um, I, I think it's kind of like wine. Um, you know, the active ingredient, and I say the quotation marks, in wine is ethanol. Well, I'm, I care less and more about the ethanol concentration of wine than I do care about the flavor profile and the smells. And that's what the terpenes are in cannabis, and so that's that's of, that's of more interest to me than the cannabinoid concentration. But I totally, I, I completely understand that thinking of you know we're consuming cannabis that is uh, a higher potency, and now we're also there are different methods that people are using. Um, although, you no, know, we've always there's always been extractions out there. Uh, you know, f- some of the first tinctures that we have found historically are, are tinctures of uh, you know uh, alcohol tinctures of, of cannabis, mm. and that's how people consumed it. Um, you know, but nowadays you can create. Uh, uh, you know, that's the whole dabbing culture is getting very potent product, uh, and you know, granted, it also has the aroma that goes along with it. But it's very potent. Sometimes you're seeing uh, uh, some of the extractions that are 75, 95, 96 percent THC. Um, now, granted, it's like taking a shot versus yeah. drinking a full beer. You take much smaller, uh, you know, samples. You know but it's 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 sizable and it's something that someone can um over medicate uh, right. quite easily and you know to talk about over medication too it's it's you know it's not something that's directly going to kill you and I, in fact i've got a, a family friend he's uh, um i won't mention any names but I'd like to embarrass him about this because uh he he was kind of idiotic when he consumed some cannabis he a uh, former police officer he had an injury on the job and he had to do a forced retirement but he had uh lower back pain and mm-hmm. basically his surgeon his spine surgeon has said that uh well if i perform this microdiscectomy i'm giving you really a 50-50 chance of possible paralysis just the way this is manifested and so he chose that uh you know he's going to deal with pain and uh you know he was popping opiates like it's candy and you know as we all know that's exceedingly dangerous and so i gave him some edibles you know this is a, a former police officer who's never consumed cannabis in any form in his life and i said you know one of the things you have to be careful with edibles is that can take sometimes 30 minutes 90 minutes, maybe even two hours before you just he start just feeling kept, the effects. He just
1: kept putting them in.
2: Exactly right. We gave him this oh, candy boy. bar, and this candy bar has, has 12 doses in it. Oh, Jesus. And I said, take off, break off a quarter of it, and then break that in half, and then consume that, and we'll see how you you now, do.
1: To be fair to whoever this is, yeah. that's drug addict behavior, yeah. but I'd re- much <laughs> rather see him on the edibles than the opiates. Yeah,
2: exactly. And so he he's like, okay, I'm going to take this. And he's sitting there, and he, at this time, at the time this happened, you know, he's – um. He's by himself at his house. And so he's you know, in a safe environment. He's going to you know, test this out for the first time. He takes it. And he's like, okay, I'm not feeling anything. 30 minutes go by, not feeling anything. 45 minutes go by. He's like, you know what? Screw this. Obviously, I have a really high tolerance. And so he takes half the bar. Oh. So he basically consumes six full doses. And uh, his wife uh, comes home, couldn't find him. He's in the bedroom completely naked, crawled up in the fetal position in the corner. Oh, jeez! And, uh, you know, it's not going to kill you, but it's going to make you feel really, really uncomfortable. Yeah. Basically, you know, it slows down your brain. and well, also, They can get hallucinogenic properties later. You or, know, it, uh, uh, cannabis typically does not have hallucinogenic. It high, a high dose. High a high, dose, high dose yeah. can. And, um, and then, yeah. and then
1: you've seen the scrombiting phenomenon yet? Yes, I
0: have. <laughs> so, yeah,
1: which is interesting. Which is people vomit and scr- oh, Gary's like, huh? <laughs> Vomiting and screaming at the same time, <laughs> and it's cured by Gary a hot shower. Yeah,
0: <laughs> don't tell your buddy about that. Which uh, Corolla? He'll tell you you need a cold shower. Oh,
1: jeez. <laughs> I, I wonder if you have any questions for. for I'm, I'm, you've been sitting here listening carefully. Yeah.
0: Uh, no, not yet. I'm fascinated by this. It's um, interesting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah it's it's very interesting. Um, yeah, I. Uh, do you, right do, now, I guess I'm consumed with feeling like his buddy was because everyone's made that. A lot of people have made that mistake once. You've done it. <laughs> oh yeah.
1: And, and what you this sativa indica thing is mm-hmm. that something that confuses you or you know you you no know, can you tell the difference or Oh
0: uh, yeah, I can. I'm a uh, i am I Since you've known me, I've toned it back to a much more recreational, occasional user. But Mm -hmm. in college, my uh, a lot of my friend group was very heavily into marijuana, so Mm -hmm. I I have experiences um, with all that stuff. But you know, my experience when I was actually active in that community was before this stuff like dabs even came along. Yeah, I I saw that for the first time about three years ago, and I was blown away. And he was like, "Give me some of that!" No, 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 no. I did one once a club that I used to go to. uh, Give me some of that. Any of the rules. (laughs) And they just give you one as you leave. Oh wow! Oh, which man. is absurd. And yeah. Uh, yeah, they're like, "Here, take this before you go get in the car." Oh, uh, I I took one one time, never again. That, that's it, that's
2: generally frowned upon in polite society. Yeah, yeah. and
1: intoxicated that, driving is a problem too. Absolutely,
0: yeah. Yeah. So, I had no idea what I was getting into. It was, it was that, those dabs are not to be messed with.
1: Yep. let me get more of your data out there. You can you can follow Rob at at Rob r o b b farms. Website is Dr. Rob Farms, D-R-R-O-B-B. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Worked as director of SPARC. What is that, Spark?
2: Oh, so Spark. Um, I was a, a former production director at Spark in San Francisco. What is Spark? Spark is, uh, at least at the time I was there, was the largest vertically integrated dispensary in the state. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, founded by a gentleman by the name of Eric Pearson is a great individual, very much a uh, uh, forward-thinking uh, individual in the, in the space. And, you know, for the most part, uh, cannabis shops and dispensaries were – you know, the kind of like seedy drugstore feel yeah, yeah. or not drugstore, like even just like, you know, the, the liquor shops, store. Head yeah, shops, exactly. Yeah. Dealer. So, yeah. so Spark was the the first uh, dispensary that really did it right. And, um, a lot of the dispensaries we were seeing popping up really are following what Spark already did. And, uh, they, they, they're called the Apple Store of Cannabis. Um, it's a beautiful shop. It's in San Francisco and uh it was actually there when i truly discovered what cannabis can do and i have to tell the story real quick um, there's a, a patient at spark
1: way, can we talk about your mom too as part
2: of this yeah absolutely yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. And, and actually this is this is a great segue okay go ahead um so when I, I truly found out what cannabis can do for people, you know, it's not for everyone, but what it can do for some people If, if we could just figure out
1: who to use it with, and what, and for how long, we'd we, we have it nailed. Well, the, we're the thing we're that's yet,
2: nice but, about it is you can test out, you can test it out because it's not going to kill you. Um, you know, we what, like we said, it's, unless you're going to consume one hundred fifty thousand grams, 150, uh, 150 kilograms, then it might potentially kill you. But um, <laughs> you know, you can you kind of experiment a little bit and see what works for you. But uh, there was a gentleman there that uh, uh, you know. He was a patient of uh, of Sparks and he would come in every single morning um, and he would go and buy an eighth of uh, a, a particular cultivar called Canatonic, which is a high CBD uh, cultivar. And, uh, you know, he would, you, at Spark, you can medicate on site. They have these vaporizers so you can grind up your medicine and vaporize right there and, and walk on out and, and have your day. Um, well, this, this gentleman happened to be someone who had some, who was a high functioning autistic person. Um, and it manifested in the inability to speak. Uh, so he could not speak. But uh, as soon as he started consuming cannabis, he would take his first inhalation. What was his problem? Uh, it was some. Uh, once again, yeah. plant physiology. Sorry, he had some. Uh, he was a very high-functioning autistic gentleman. I got it. Okay, and got um, it. No, got it manifested no, as an it, inability I it. to speak.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've heard of this happening. Actually, yeah, the same kind of thing.
2: And so it was interesting because uh, you know he would he would inhale. 60 seconds, 90 seconds later, all of a sudden he starts speaking. And he has no, no speech impediment. And come to find out, this is a gentleman who does mostly contract work at like, you know, NASA Goddard, Apple, Google in Silicon Valley. But every single day, in order for him to, to communicate orally, he has to consume cannabis. Crazy. And so that it was that then when, mean, I, when I found that. Is I just somebody
1: like, doing fMRIs on him? Yeah, there? <laughs> seriously. Somebody, I mean, come on. <laughs>
2: exactly. That's exactly right. I mean, so when I saw that happen, I was like, okay, this is, there's something going on here. When I was a production director at Spark, I was in charge of the entire, uh, uh, you know, all all things production from maintaining the genetics for the plants, doing the cuttings and the the, the propagation and vegging out the plants, doing the actual flower production, the post harvest biology, the dry cure. C- cannabis has to be dried and cured, very mm-hmm. similarly to garlic, because we all know how garlic is dried and cured, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, I was in charge of all of that, and uh, I remember very distinctly receiving a phone call from my mom. I was in the dry cure space. Um, at spark and my mom let me know That she uh, was diagnosed with aggressive form of breast cancer mm-hmm. she's currently Cancer free so just you know she's still Alive and kicking she's uh, with us but When it comes to uh, cannabis my mom's rather Naive uh, she went to college in the 60s was invited to a pop party And, and no exaggeration here She thought she was going to a Tupperware showing party so she's very naive. My, uh, my parents have been married since 1972, and uh, my dad has seen my mom inebriated, uh, I think, two times. Mm-hmm. So she's not someone who, who seeks out inebriation. Right. Uh, but, you know, she's going through chemo and radiation. She ended up having two rounds of surgery as well. And so I said, Mom, you know, I'm literally surrounded by a ton of cannabis in the dry cure space. I have access to, pr- to product for you. And um, she's like, okay, but I want a, I don't want smokable, I don't want vapeable. I want an edible. Mm. Everything I had grown that I knew was clean, that was free of pesticide, that was free of plant growth regulators that uh, a lot of people historically have been using in, in cannabis production as turning that medicine into poison. And again, there's
1: um, none of that in the interior, stuff grown
2: inside. Uh, you keep, there are people Who use plant growth re- regulators And pesticides on the indoors too mm-hmm. I mean you know You get uh, You right. get pests indoors And yeah, sometimes yeah, yeah. it's okay. even worse okay. You know okay. and, uh, and so I You know Everything I'd grown though I knew was clean mm. um, You know I couldn't really source that for her So I was going to have to Source an edible Outside of what I had grown And so I'm thinking to myself Am I about to poison my mom And uh, that was really The birth of Doc Rob Farms Was okay well, I have the technical training To grow this plant Without these, these compounds these, Some of them are suspected mutagens I mean there's a systemic fungicide called my- Michaelbutanol that releases hydrogen cyanide when you heat it up. Well, in order to consume cannabis, you have to heat it up. So mm. it's it's you know it's, it's systemic. It's inside the the plant. Mm. So um, you know we see people using that all the time because cannabis is is unfortunately very susceptible to fungal infection. Mm. Uh, so here I am thinking, okay, we gotta get gotta get an edible for my mom. Um, am I gonna kill her? Um, those are
1: heated to produce be produced. Yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> And so, uh, that was really, you know, what I did. And so, uh, the birth of Doc Rock Farms stemmed from that. And, uh. How did she use it? How did it work for her? So she ended up using a, a chocolate edible for a, a company I have a lot of love for. this Kiva Confections. And, uh, I've, you know, I've told the CEO of it that, you know, you basically, you help my mom out so much. I'm always going to have a lot of love for them. They're based out of Oakland, very good people. Um, and, uh, the, you know, so she would eat the, uh, the, the chocolate. And it would help her, especially when she's going through chemo and radiation, uh, help her sleep. That company
0: you know? does a great job of making something that is actually tasty.
2: Yeah, 100% correct. They a lot have, of
0: these products, the edible ones, Drew, I don't know if you've experienced Tastes like shit. They taste like pot. They taste mm. like you're eating <laughs> yeah. a gram of pot. And yep. it's Ugh. annoying. Those Kiva ones are... They see, I, like chocolate. I've You're-
1: tried CBD, but I've not tried oh. THC really or cannabis in recent years because I, I got panic attacks when I was in college from it. You
2: know, if you, if you consume a, a good amount of it, uh, it can definitely cause that. And, uh, it's, it's the, the microdosing is, 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 I'm a big fan of that because I, I see it as more of a wellness product than it is, you know, this is going to cure everything has, I have. Or a toxicant. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it's, it's more of a, this is a wellness product. And, you know, so I actually created a, a product called mom's formula. And it's for her because after she did, the, did her chemo and radiation, she was having some anxiety issues, and um, uh, so you know, microdosing with CBD and THC is that what has this been, is? yeah, that's what that is. Oh, well, mom's formula. Yeah. That's mom's formula you got right there. It's a I gift thought, for you, I by thought,
1: the way. I thought if I are going to create a formula for anxiety, it'd be like this. Oh, well, this, is mom, <laughs> this is mom's anxiety. Mom's mom's product. Thank you. I will try it. tonight. Yeah,
2: absolutely. I appreciate it. Now, yeah. one of the biggest validations we received thus far is a. Uh, uh, a woman reached out to me. She was actually a survivor from the uh, uh, October first uh, shooting in Las Vegas mm. and was suffering from PTSD. and And unfortunately, thoughts and prayers weren't doing anything for her, and so she uh, she needed some something with anti anxiety properties. And she's like, you know, she reached out, said, "I've never used cannabis, but I I need to do something to help me out here." And she happened to live not too far from me, so I was like, you know what? Let's meet at a Starbucks somewhere. I'm just going to hand you two jars. One jar is about one month of mom's formula. me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I gave her two jars of mom's formula. And I said, just let me know how it is, and this is on me. Don't worry about it. Um, and she emails me back about two months later, and she said I didn't think it was working until I ran out. And you know, basically, she said that because she did. You know, she hadn't used cannabis before, and she was expecting to get high. Mm-hmm. You don't feel the euphoria in microdosing. Yeah. And uh, she's like, you know, that anxiety started creeping back in, and uh, and it started. Uh, you know, I started having trouble sleep again, and so I, that was some of the biggest validation. And then uh, a couple weeks back, I. I had the pleasure and honor to uh, be a guest lecturer at UC Davis um, on the first graduate level course on cannabis, and one of the graduate students actually came up to me and said, "I actually use Mom's formula every day." Oh wow! Um, and he said, "I you know I suffered from PTSD, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, and the way he described it was, um, you know, it used to be historically anxiety was in the driver's seat." And now it's like it's in the passenger seat now with this.
1: Uh, a clinician asked me a question about a, a PTSD patient who was taking large amounts of mm-hmm. uh, CBD, like 25 milligrams, four times a day. That's a added. significant yeah. amount? Yeah. And he stopped and had a withdrawal syndrome. And I said, well, gee, I don't know. I said, it makes sense there would be. And a large mm-hmm. dose of any – sorry, I correct, correct with substance?
2: Yeah. It's my understanding that, that – uh, You know, it's not like an opiate where you have a physical withdrawal.
1: Well, it's a physical withdrawal in the sense that there's a physiological reaction. Yes. But it's just more, uh, I forget what they describe, but it wasn't, you know, multi system stuff the way opiate is. Exactly.
2: It's my understanding. You can get addicted to cannabis the same way you can be addicted to, and once again, here I am talking to an addiction specialist. Well, cannabis
1: withdrawal definitely is a very characteristic thing. Yeah. Sleeplessness, paranoia. Yeah. Irritability, all that stuff. It's sort of the opposite of what you were getting when you got the drug. Exactly. Yeah,
2: yeah. and and it's my understanding standing that uh, cannabis addiction is is very similar to you know food addiction or sex addiction, it, where it's yeah. it's more you're addicted to. I I, I would uh, I believe it's my understanding is the serotonin. Uh, uh, I mean, boost. it's all
1: biology yeah. in, in the end anyway. Yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. We're just a
2: bunch of compounds with yeah. some water thrown right. in there. Yeah, that's that's all right. We are.
1: So so that's why I don't like. Mincing—you either can stop or you can't. Yeah, and that's biology when you can't. That's yeah. It, so
2: one thing we have found that's interesting with cannabis consumption, though, is if you can abstain, mm-hmm. you you basically reset a default fairly quickly. It seems like.
1: Yeah, there's a, for sure. And there's a whole – you mentioned that earlier yeah. too. There's this syndrome of get a lessening effect of the drug and mm-hmm. often associated with a falling mood. Yes. And so yep. people do need to watch that. Yeah. It can, it can affect them. I, mean, um, I got to wrap this thing up. I could talk to you all day. You know what we should do, Gary, is we should do a like a call-in show for Rob. Yeah, that you be know great. what I mean? Like, yeah. like set it up ahead, like promote it, and and, and say we're going to be taking these. I'm, I'm sure there's a million questions for you. You know, I, I right.
2: one of the first things I, I do a lot of consulting, I do a lot of management. One of the first things I always have to tell people is I don't have all the answers. No, and, but, uh, but
1: your but your experience and yes. you, and you talk from a place of currently available science. Correct. That's and, that's, and that's yeah. all I'm looking for. Right? Exactly. Because we've been restricted from that for, and it's insane.
2: Yes. I mean, so my my interest is uh, cultivation mm-hmm. science research, and there's only one university in the United States that can do any cultivation research and that is uh, you know Ole Miss and you know I had the privilege to uh, speak to the uh, advisory council of the dean of ag sciences at UC Davis there might be a little bit of nepotism going on at UC Davis but you know I'll take it good um, yeah exactly I mean UC Davis number one plant science school in the planet according to US News and World Report number two for ag science trying to push uh, uh, cultivation research and here I am speaking this happened two years ago on, on April 20th 420 which is our Christmas uh, in, in the cannabis world, and here I am speaking to old rice farmers and dairy cattlemen about the low hanging fruit that is cannabis research. And so UC Davis is moving forward on it. They have applied with the DEA. You should
1: go over to Caltech where they do a lot of the gene manipulation. Stuff. I'm interested
2: in whole plant physiology. Yeah.
1: That, that, that's that's all above me. That's,
2: that's uh, well, no, that's my yeah. point.
1: They could they could advise you. Well, you've got the yeast thing coming. Yeah, so.
2: exactly. But uh, uh, you know, and you know, they are moving forward on it. We definitely need it. Um, you know. And and I just want to say one thing real quick because it happens to be the day before Thanksgiving – Drew, did you know that today is the second largest day in cannabis purchases in the United States?
1: No kidding. Will they call this night um, Drunksgiving or something? Or yeah. Because all the alcohol's up too. Exactly. So everyone's all like
0: the, all the uh, pot companies, and at least in Southern California, have dubbed this Green Wednesday.
1: Yeah, it's so yep. funny. Is that? Be, is, I've also heard college New Year's Eve or something. It's
0: call, it is because everyone's back in their hometown. It's become yep.
1: way more of a yeah. big party night in the last five years or so, right? Oh five, no, five, you know, no. I I longer think than think Ten that. years, fifteen. Yeah, yeah, when I was it's, in college, it's in, it's in the discourse now. Yeah, I'm
2: aware of it, so everyone knows it. So exactly, I think I think it has a lot to do with you know people, the stress of dealing with family and oh, things yeah. like that. Oh yeah. No, I mean, and also maybe people I didn't know cannabis
1: wanted. was up to it. I knew alcohol was up to it. it makes perfect sense <laughs> well, yeah. well I'm, I'm planning to think mom's oh medicine. nice mom's whatever mom's for <laughs> but listen it was a privilege um, my a mutual pleasure. friend Jenna we got to thank her for putting us together absolutely thank you Jenna um,
0: maybe next time Rob's back in town he can give me a heads up and maybe we'll get him on to uh, do the tail end of an A&D and then sure, a show. sure. Yeah. so yeah. you'll do an Adam, Adam and Drew like show and
1: yeah. to, to get some questions answered from Adam love it and then we'll go into a, some sort of call in show so people that are listening um, should they maybe email you
0: they can tweet me or tweet at uh, Dr. Drew Podcast um, or go to drdrew.com and fill out the contact sheet. Mm,
1: you could do the contact sheet though, we'll go through Susan and please do fill that out. But mm-hmm. I think for the purposes of this call in show that we're going to do whenever you're back in town, yeah, um, we'll promote
0: it heavily on social and Yeah, so people tweet, can tweet Twitter Twitter's stuff. the way to do it, I think. So cool.
1: And uh, I'm I, because I don't know enough to know the questions, you know yeah. what I mean, and the, and the people that are thinking about this, using it, involved with it. I'm sure they have a million questions that I couldn't even think of. So.
2: More than happy to answer as qu- I many questions that I know the answers to. Yeah, yeah, And, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and you know, one of the things that I always like to talk about is cultivation. So if people have questions about, hey, I'm growing in my garage. What do I need to do? I love and, those types and of questions. I, and
1: then, But I, I I, don't know what to ask about the –
0: Can I get in one? Yeah, I
1: asked you. What do you want to ask? I know. Uh,
0: well, it wasn't until then that I started thinking about it. Um, is there a company out there that you like – Uh, A lot of people like the vape products. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, there's a lot of conflicting people out there, you know, from competing companies cutting other people down, saying that they're using, you know, the wrong kind of ingredients, the wrong Mm -hmm. kinds of methods to obtain that liquid. Is there a company out there? um, A lot of people around these parts are fond of the PAX stuff. Yeah. Is there anyone out there that you like, or is there one that, you know, you. For some reason, aren't that fond of? I'm not asking you to shit on anyone, but no, just, you
2: know, you know. I, 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 love that type of question. I, one of the things I, I try to always do is be positive. And I don't, uh, I won't talk badly about anything, but sure. I will talk positively. Um, my favorite vape pen is a, from a company called Rove, R O V E. Um, one thing that they do uh, differently is that they don't winterize their oils, which means it, it's a little bit thicker, but uh, I think it has a better flavor. Um, and it's very effective. And one of the things that they are absolutely adamant about, and the reason why I love them so much, is they are adamant about pesticide-free product, raw materials. And this is when they didn't have to be pesticide-free. This is when they they didn't have to, uh, uh, you know, we didn't have the same regulations that we do now. So even when they shouldn't, or they didn't need to do it, they did it, and they they did it right. And so a lot of love for Rove. A lot of love for Rove.
0: Great.
1: All right, my friend, go to... uh, DrRobFarms.com. You want to find more information? DrRobFarms. Follow him at DrRobFarms on Twitter, and uh, we will do this
2: again. Absolutely. You, I very much at,
1: a, at your whim, whenever you in tiny world. I it.
2: my I grew up here. I'm uh, always a fan. You know, I born right down the street. So uh, you know, Amazing. come come. These are my old stomping grounds. Love to come back. All right, Rob. Thanks. Thank so much. you so much. Appreciate right. it. Pleasure. Pleasure.
1: And we'll see you next time.